In today's episode, Derek Kenny, best-selling author of Good Money Revolution, talks about the 70% rule and putting your brain on payroll. You want to check this out. Are you hitting a wall in your business because you feel like you're too busy? Do you ever wish there were more hours in a day? This podcast is for hyper-focused entrepreneurs who want to learn the secrets of superhuman productivity. Together, we're going to kick procrastination in the teeth. We're going to slice through BS excuses like a katana blade. We don't ever wonder what happened because we're the ones that made it happen. My name is Josh Thomas. You've now entered the Do Zone. Welcome to the DZ Tribe. We question all of our beliefs, except for those we really believe in and those we never think to question. Orson Scott Card. DZ Tribe, Josh Thomas, glad to have you. To make sure you don't fis, uh, miss any other episodes, be sure to follow and subscribe on Apple and or Spotify. Also, if you're looking to better understand how you get stuff done, head on over to dozonedna.com and take our personality profile assessment built specifically for busy entrepreneurs like yourself. It's going to show you how to build the world around you for optimal performance. Once again, that's dozonedna.com. Today's guest is Derek Kinney. Derek is changing how you feel about money. He believes money is not bad and good people should have more of it. After applying these proven principles with thousands of clients, Kinney sold his multi-million dollar business to teach these success steps to you. Kenny, Derek, welcome to the Do Zone. Say what's up to the tribe and tell us something you believe is the key to getting stuff done that most people wouldn't think of. Well, Josh, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me today. I know you have a lot of guests on your show, so to be one of them means a lot to me. You know, one thing that I know to be true is the time that you give a task will be the time it takes to do that task. And if you can be the boss of your schedule, you become the boss of time empowerment, which is where money is made today. The time that you allot to do a task is the time it will take. Is that kind of how you? Yeah, and it's actually not, it's not an OG idea. This is what's called Parkinson's law that you probably know. And it basically says, you know, if I, if I'm a college professor and I give my class two weeks to do a paper, it will take them exactly two weeks to complete the paper. But if I say, hey, I know it's short notice, but this is due in 72 hours, miraculously, somehow they will find a way to get it done in 72 hours. And I've had to teach this myself of, you know, you think when you're in business for yourself, you're just going to go and, and work on things. But no, I've got to schedule it like my time is the most valuable client I've got. And I want to make sure I'm using that time to the best and highest use. Yeah, I'm very familiar with Parkinson's law, and uh, I've I've used some version of that many times to get people to act. A lot of times in sales situations, actually, uh, and where it comes down to, all right, I've got a decision to make. Let me think about it. I'll get back to you in a couple of weeks. And what happens is like a couple of weeks sounds like no matter what you're doing, a couple of weeks sounds like plenty of time, right? Like, well, you know, I can do anything right, in a couple right. of weeks. Uh, but what, what's going to happen is you're going to wait 13 days and then you're going to see me on the calendar and you're going to like, oh, crap. 
uh, 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 not now. How about in a couple more weeks? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, That's exactly so, right. <laughs> and so, uh, and so, yeah, there was. Uh, I think it was. Is it C. Northcote Parkinson? Um, the the gentleman, the scientist. I who, believe that it is. Yes. Yeah. Well, man, with that right out, you nailed it. Wow, that's impressive, crap. Josh. <laughs> right. And uh, and so he he made this he made this assertion a long time ago, and nothing could be truer. If you give yourself a month to do something, you're going to take 29 days. If you give yourself a week, you're going to take six days. If you give yourself an hour, you're going to take 59 minutes. And and so you really ultimately are in charge of how long something takes. That's right. It, it, tell, tell me more about how, how has that applied in your career? Maybe give, uh, tell us a, a story where you realized that or you watched somebody go through it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a personal story. So I tend to always like to have a lot of things going on. When I was in college, my debate coach said, Derek, remember that busy people get more done. You know, I had this impression that when I went to college, I needed not to work. I needed to have all this time to study and I would get more done. But the reality was I would meet other students all the time in that scenario. And they made far worse grades than I did because there was no time compression going on. So here's a more practical example. So fast forward now, I have my financial planning practice. And one of the ways I chose to grow that was to become an expert with a specialization in the media. And what happened is, is as that caught on, I was on television every week and they began to ask me to craft the topic they wanted me to talk about. So I would come up with a topic and craft the questions. Well, at first I was nervous about this, but I began to realize, you know what, if I wrote for the newspaper and I had a daily column, I would wake up every day not knowing the topic but knowing with certainty that by the end of the day, I would have a column written. It was just an expectation of myself. And so TV began that same way. So every week I began to know that on Friday, I'm gonna write a topic, I'll write the questions and I'll talk about it on TV. And that became the rhythm and it became the norm to me, not other people that may sound really weird, but I just scheduled it. And I knew that the hour I gave myself to write those questions and come up with a topic, is the only hour I've got, therefore betting on myself, I knew it would come to pass. And because it came to pass week after week, I just began to know, it was like my mind could rest suddenly then, knowing that you're going to get this thing done. So then the next hard task would be the next thing, the next hour. Now, for many people, writing a TV script might be all day, it might set them all the way back, but when you can take hard things and achieve success with it, you begin to realize, oh, that's actually squishier and easier than I thought. I can knock that out and move on to the next thing. So again, part of these are some tricks you play with your brain, but I just realized that successful people, when they take on hard things, they find ways to simplify to the lowest denominator. And the other thing I would tell you, Josh, is I don't play in the game of perfection well. You know, perfection is the enemy of action in my world. And so if I'm 70% there, I'm going whether it's a new idea, whether it's the topic, whether it's a podcast I'm thinking about, a chapter title for my book, 70% go, because in your brain, you want to put it on the payroll so that it's working on the sideline when you're sleeping, doing other projects to refine the idea for you while you're working on the next thing. Putting your brain on the payroll. I like that. So 
So the idea here is you said, hey, if I'm 70% there, I'm going. And that's going to get me moving. And then when I stop going and I'm resting, then my brain kicks in to fill in the gaps of that remaining 30%. Did I hear that right? Yeah, yeah. So part of that is the the subliminal mind, but also, you know, that reticular activator in our mind that sees opportunities. For example, if I were to say to you, Josh, you know, like right now, as I'm talking, you've got a really cool background in your studio. And if I were to say, man, I want to have cool lights like Josh does. Well, suddenly, if I go to Amazon, or I start looking around, now I start seeing lights all around me, they were always there. But now my awareness of that is higher, therefore more opportunities present themselves to me. I mean, the same, a buddy of mine found out he and his wife were having twins. And he said, Derek, before we heard that news, we hadn't noticed people had twins at all. Now we see them everywhere. And it's the same thing. The twins are always there, but when the moment of opportunity came where they needed to know more about it, that's when that, in your brain, I believe, identifies those opportunities. So I just think for business owners listening right now, if there is a problem that you're helping your customer solve and you really focus and you take some time every day to be still and be quiet and let your brain come up with ideas, you may take that problem to areas you hadn't gone before because you're letting your brain and all the tools that God has given us work for you and not just sit dormant, which so many people do. That's right. Yeah. And you're, you're referencing kind of two things there. Uh, and one of them is you mentioned the, uh, the reticular activating system. And uh, that was actually, that was actually explained to me very, very thoroughly by uh, a previous guest. And I believe it was Daniel Fell, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, and he would have, he would have been published just, uh, just before us, uh, or was it Kevin Stansfield? Uh, I was looking for the name really quick. It was one of those two, by the right, way. Right. I think okay. it was Kevin Stansfield. Uh, and he was talking about the ways that your brain makes decisions. And he introduced the idea of that, the RAS or the reticular activating system. And uh, the idea is it's a filter because your brain is, mm-hmm. is bringing in all of this information at once and it can't possibly process everything. So it has to decide what's the most important thing right now. Yes. And yes. you're having twins. Okay. Twins are important. Let's go look for the twins. And then we've, and then we encounter the second phenomenon, which is called frequency illusion, uh, where, where we say, oh, you know, I have a, I have a red car and suddenly every car I see is red and they're everywhere, but they were right, always right. there. It's just that your brain is now focusing on them and paying more attention. Yes. So I, that's, that is so fascinating the way that you described because uh, if you want something done, ask a busy person. I've heard that many times. Um, but part of the reason that that could be effective is because they're already in motion and doing things. And so if you're adding one thing to their plate, well, the plate, the plate's already moving down the street. So things get done. Right. You know, if you got a parked car, you don't know if that car can even start. Uh, but I've never had it said to me about the the idea of perfection. Uh, I'm not a perfection person. I'm 70% there. I'm going to go. I'd never had it actually said to me of putting your brain on the payroll for those gaps in between. That makes a heck of a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, even as you and I talk, I mean, Josh, I have a lot of respect for you. You've got a great podcast. I mean, your story is incredible, but you believe in the power of small business people as do I. 
And when you think about the general economy, two thirds of the economy is built on consumer spending, meaning how comfortable and confident does the average American feel about trading their hard-earned dollars for the products or services that many small business owners make? And what I also believe is that so many people play in this game of commoditization. In other words, there are so many CPAs and attorneys and accountants and financial advisors and coffee shops. There's no clear differentiation for most of those small business owners. And so the only way they know how to compete is on price. And we know that if you keep reducing your price, you keep reducing your margins, which make you less happy, uh, which makes you not live the life you want. That's a minimum wage life, which I am against wholeheartedly. And so to decommoditize yourself, you want to be that specialist. You want to be the person that has that unique solution to a pain point that so many people have. Well, when people want their pain solved, they'll pay for it. And we know that people spend more on pain pills than they do on vitamins. And because of that, if we can advertise you are a solution to someone's pain, that's very, very powerful. So if you can get yourself out of, I live in the features and benefits world, my computer has higher processing speed, it solves this or that too, my computer helps you have more time with your family and spend more time creating the memories you've always wanted, which of those sells more? Computer to computer and not having to reduce the price one of them enhances your life. And I think right now, I would just be my siren call to small business owners is forget about your features and benefits. That's pretty much understood that the product works and it's good, but how can you position your product or service to solve a deep, hardened pain point that people have? And if you can do that and get your mind focused on, you know, basically I'm a pain killer business. That's what I do. I kill people's pain. They're going to buy from you over and over again because it's a transformational story that people want to trade their dollars for. Three words. So you can. Yes. So, so you can. Yes. Yes. These are the features and benefits that I offer through my service. So you can have a better life. So you can get out of pain so you can walk up the steps without getting winded, whatever it is. So you can pick up your twins and go down the street and see all these other twins that you never saw before. Right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, that's, that's really the, one of the best exercises to, to extract that. What is that pain elimination from uh, that your business offers is come up with that whole big list of like, we have the best, you know, uh, act, operating systems and et cetera, et cetera. And then right at the end, so you can extract whatever you need to extract from it. And, and that will find almost always will help you find whatever that pain is that you're solving. It's much easier, you're right, to solve pain uh, than it is to sell pain, pain cure, sell a cure than prevention. Yeah, there we go. Yes, yes. Pain reduction versus pain prevention. Yes. Well, and that that's so, so you can, you know, candidly, Josh, it sounds so simple and it sounds like, well, that's easy. I mean, of course, but so many people don't do it. And, and how I test this is I always love to do a, I call it a one in 10 test throughout the day. So if I'm at the airport, this is going to sound bad, but if I'm at the airport, I'm counting 10 people. I'm asking myself, how many of the 10 people are overweight? 
And it's typically eight out of 10, almost statistically every time I count a group of 10 people. If I'm driving down the road and I look at 10 different billboards, typically eight out of 10 have a confusing message, no call to action, no memorable ability at all. And I'm like, they were sold, this would help them, but they're actually wasting money because there's no clarity to it. Or if I'm talking to people, if I see 10 different people, typically two of the 10 are well-versed in their communication. The other eight don't sound as confident as they probably want to be. So the point of all that is we're playing in a 20% world. And people who want to be successful, they need to find a way to grab hold, at least at the minimum, of that bottom 20% rung. It's almost like that show American Gladiator or, mm-hmm. or the, the shows where they do all the, the things where they hang on stuff, don't fall in the water. You've just got to yeah. grab that rung and hold on for dear life and then find a way to crawl up. But if you're out of that 20%, you're at a significant disadvantage business-wise. So what I'm telling you is, Get up in the morning and exercise. And while you're exercising, you're thinking of great ideas, ideas that can guide you to make more money. And if you're exercising, you're probably going to be feeling better about yourself. You're going to be more confident. You're going to be fit. And you also then want to have some time by yourself in the course of the day, maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes, just to think and even journal some ideas and let your brain now show up at work put on its uniform, put on its name tag that says super performer and go to work for you. And you step back and let your brain do its work. And then you two meet again in 15 minutes and you go back to the rest of your day. The bottom line is a couple simple steps if done regularly and you schedule them back to this whole Parkinson's law again, where now you've got, I get up at five in the morning, 5.30, whatever it is. And I catch my Peloton bike. I get my spin class. I do my weight workout. I've got my quiet time. And now I'm ready for the day. I've made my bed, which is kind of funny. I've been making my bed lately. And it's so funny because I don't want to do it, but I realized, wait a minute, that's one more thing I can put on the list of consistency that, hey, I made my bed. I got up, I worked out. And now you just do it. There's so many parts of my morning that I hate doing because there's so much of a list like shaving and you know, brushing my teeth, things I need to do, but I feel like they waste time. I want to move on to the next more dollar productive thing. Right. But I've learned I've got to, I build trust with myself if I go through this boring list every day, because the boring leads to exciting, which leads to financial opportunities. And as long as I can mentally see that I'm doing this, I'm making my bed so that I can have greater success in the day it's a win for me in terms of how I manage myself and manage my day. I love it. You know, and uh, I really, I really love how the brain ticks. Uh, so let's, let's get into uh, the do zone diagnostic and let's, let's take a look. Are you ready? Let's do it. Awesome. Uh, so just five quick rapid fire questions here. Uh, first thing that comes to mind. Number one, what's one thing you do, Derek, that keeps you focused on your goals? Well, I can actually be an over goal setter, but I keep note cards in front of me all the time of what are my top goals, but also I focus on this week to have won the week by Friday at 5 p.m., what needs to have happened, and then I write down how will I feel when I achieve it, because that feeling motivates me to keep going when things get hard during the week. Nice. And, and how do you get back on track when you lose that focus? 
Well, that happens quite a bit. I, I tend to be in overdrive all the time mentally. So what I've learned is when I feel overwhelmed and there's so many opportunities, I can't quite get going. I've got to stop. And I just call it one oar in the water. And I say, okay, what is one thing right now that I can do? And I do that. And then what is the next thing I can do? And I do that. And suddenly now momentum has been recreated. So now I'm back on track again. And once I've done about three things, I ask myself, okay, just to check, Derek, am I still focused on the highest, most dollar productive activity? And then I get that momentum going back in the right direction. Got it. And who is your support group and how do they keep you accountable? Well, having sold my business two years ago, I converted our game room in our house to an office to my right. I'm in my podcast and, and TV studio here. So I work from home most times. I have coffee though about three times a week. And I do that because I need outside accountability. And I like to ask people who I feel like are more successful than me how they are more successful in terms of how they lead, how they listen, how they talk to their kids, how they talk to their clients. So that's very important. I mean, I often will take my phone out and just take notes as we're talking because it's like good ideas come to me. Exactly there go. what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. Good ideas come to me when I'm, when I'm listening to other people, uh, which is just a magical thing. And I also think that coffee is the smell of cash. When I'm drinking coffee, that means I'm with somebody successful and there's about to be some cash made either for me, for them, or for both of us together. <laughs> awesome. I love that. Coffee smells like cash. And uh, how do you approach a difficult project that you're not sure how to complete? You know, I, I call this one circling the drain. It, it's interesting. Sometimes a solution immediately pops into place. Other times I may need a couple hours to a couple days just to kind of circle around the idea, look at it from this side and and this side over here, I may ask my wife, I may ask a trusted friend. And then suddenly within a couple of days, it becomes very clear that here's the path to go into. And often I will tell you, it, it tends to be the untraditional path. It may be something that somebody might've said, I wouldn't do it that way. Or, you know what, that's going to take a lot more courage than I've got to do it. I, I tend to like to, to go down the path where I put myself on the spot or even myself in a precarious situation but I think it, it comes to betting on myself more and more. And I realize, look, the worst someone can do is say that Derek cared too much or he really was too direct with me, but at least I know what he was thinking. <laughs> it's never, it's never unclear what you're thinking. <laughs> right. That's the goal. Uh, yeah, that, that's a double-edged sword sometimes. You know, the the great thing about being crystal clear about what you think is sometimes it leads to some amazing realizations. And the not so great thing is sometimes it leads to you saying things that other people don't like so much. <laughs> right. <laughs> so true. <laughs> uh, finally, what's the number one pro tip that you'd give to someone looking to get more stuff done in less time? I think you want to get really clear on what it is that you want. And what I mean by that is writing down here is the number one thing that if everything is ideal a year from now, what does my life look like and what do I want it to look like and what will I need to do to get there? And what I will offer you, Josh, is the non-traditional path. So many people say, well, to do that, I then need to start doing this and start this. I'm a big fan of a stop doing list. And oftentimes when we think about our lives, most successful people have most of the tools already that they need 
but they tend to try so many new things that they get focused on other things, the shiny object. But if you could just stop being so busy and stop filling up every minute and stop looking at your phone every time I'm in the line at Chipotle and put it in my pocket and just think and let my brain actually work for the job I hired it to do, it can be super powerful. Excellent. Yeah. I got to get, I got to get my brain on payroll, man. Just like yours. That, that, <laughs> that's the, that's probably one of the most profound things that I've heard in a long time. And so talk to us a little bit about uh, you, you have a best-selling book on Amazon uh, and I want to hear about that, but I also want to hear about your generosity purpose. That's intriguing to me. So my book, Good Money Revolution uh, came out about six months ago and Candidly, Josh, I, I probably should have had higher expectations. I didn't realize it was going to hit the bestseller list, but I, I think the message has resonated with people because the whole concept is that money is not bad and good people should have more of it. So much about money is lumped into what I call these forbidden fruit conversations. We don't talk about sex. We don't talk about politics. We don't talk about God. And now we don't talk about money. And what that leads to is entire generations of young people growing up thinking that their mom and dad had it all together financially, which later on they realized that in most cases they didn't, but nobody was there to share. Here's some mistakes we made and here's lessons that you can learn from that. And so it's this fend for yourself mentality. And I believe as small business owners that making money is good. And I had to realize I'd like to make money. It's like a report card. It's like a game I like to play. But what I realized, Josh, many, many years ago was even the more money I made while it provided a temporary high, it led to no meaningful significance in my life. Now I could do cool things with it. I could, I could give more away, but it, it didn't, the money itself wasn't where the meaning was. So until I tied meaning to my money, that's when things supercharged. So what I began to do is I began to use my business for good. And I'll tell you a quick story. A gentleman named Dave came in my office and I could tell that something was bothering him. You know, there's those, just that personality, you can tell that somebody really has an, an anchor on them. And I said, Dave, what's wrong? And he said, Derek, I'm not motivated to go to the office anymore. He had built a small local business in town, very well-respected guy. His family worked in the company. He said, I just don't have the desire to go into the office. And I asked him, for whatever reason, these words shot out of my mouth. I said, is there a cause that you care about? And I could tell the question caught him off guard. He sat back in his chair and he said, well, you know, it's funny you say that because years earlier, he and his family went overseas on a trip. And this particular village they went to, he remembered the tour guy talking about how in this village, the lack of a school building, the lack of formal education held back this entire community economically and financially. And the guide said if they had a school there, it would transform this entire city. And he remembered exchanging a glance with his wife as if to say, wouldn't it be cool to fund that school? And time flew by. They got back to the States, got back to life. And my question brought that back. And I said, what if you did this, Dave? What if you set a goal over the next six months that you were to increase your sales by 20% and you took half of that increase and funded that school? Well, his eyes got as big as saucers. We talked about what that might look like, how we could do it. So he leaves the office, comes back in not six months later, but three months later. He looks younger. He looks more energetic. He looks all in the game. I said, Dave, it's night and day. 
what happened? He said, Derek, at first, I was a bit skeptical about what you said, but I, I had nothing to lose. So he went back and he told all of his customers about his generosity purpose, as I call it. And that was that part of the profits of his business would be going toward funding this school. Well, his clients got excited about it. They referred more people to him because they could buy his product from anybody, but they couldn't buy his story about if you buy from Dave, you're going to help make the world better from anybody else. And so his business grew. His employees loved it. They began to refer people in. They got motivated. But more importantly, Josh, Dave got remotivated. Now he wasn't just making money to make money. He was making money to add meaning to someone else's life. And it drove him. And ever since then, his business has ratcheted up, up, up because he tied meaning to his money. So for all small business owners right now, and we know this in research, typically if you make above $75,000 a year, there's no connectedness to an increase in lasting meaning. But for example, if you're watching an ad on television and you see it's about a car or some product, the brain registers an ad but doesn't really have an emotional connection to it. But if you see an ad and let's say it's to help clean the oceans or it's to help provide better education or it's to help support Olympic athletes, there's a part of the brain that releases a chemical that's similar to get this as though you're looking into the eyes of someone you love. I mean, that is powerful. And what that says is that when people buy a product or service, they're often willing to pay more for it when they know part of the money is going to help a cause they care about. So that's the whole premise of the book is no longer think that money is bad. I want to change this conversation to be, look, money is good. And it's perhaps the greatest lever of positive change that we have, especially as business owners. It, it reminds me of when somebody, somebody once said to me, and I think it was just like an off the cuff comment. And the idea was uh, if, if you're, if you're trying to be a, a humble servant, uh, you're thinking, okay, well, money isn't everything. You shouldn't be motivated by money. Uh, and it's for the rich corporations. Just focus on doing good deeds and all of these things. And, and, and the reality of it is, if you truly want to make a difference, if you really want to make an impact, then you almost have a responsibility to make as much money as you possibly can so that you can control that and you can take that and dole it out to whatever mission that you actually have, whatever change you want to see in the world, it gives you leverage and it gives you power and it gives you control to be able to enact that actual change. That that's what I'm so hearing. Well said that that's exactly right. You know, and we, and we think about, you know, when you think about bad people in the world, well, bad people do bad things with their money. So if it comes down to, would we rather have good people or bad people have the money. Well, I believe that good people should have the money because they can do more good things with it, but it's not entirely altruistic here. What I'm proposing is that especially as a business owner or even somebody who works for someone else, they can do this and motivate them to go make more money. For example, you know, don't just bang on your boss's door and demand a raise. Instead, remember that your boss's favorite radio station is always WIIFM, what's in it for me? And if you can answer three questions, how can I increase sales? How can I reduce costs? How can I help grow this business? 
and you can provide tangible action steps in whatever role in the company you're in right now, whether you're the assistant to the mid-level manager, to the vice president, that's what the owner wants is how can you help us make more money? And these days when competitiveness for quality people is so high, if you can give tangible value, you become more valued. And that means you're not making the 4% raise they throw at you every year. You're going to make some serious buck because you're adding serious value to the company you work for. That's right. Yeah. You made two different points there. Back to the, back to the first point, money. Uh, Ryan Stuman is uh, one of my mentors. And, and one of the things that he talks about is money is a magnifier. Yes. Uh, if, if you are an asshole, more money will just make you a bigger asshole. <laughs> so know? true. If yeah. you're a good person, more money will make you a better person or it'll make, it'll make you a, uh, a more influential good person. Your goodness can spread across uh, larger distances. But if you're not actually a good person and you're pretending to be a good person, that money will point it out. <laughs> and right, you, right. And we'll all find out soon enough. Um, and so, yeah, I love that topic. Uh, Derek Kenny, appreciate you being on here. Tell us uh, where can where can somebody go to engage with you and and, and who is an ideal uh, client or or somebody that that you would just really love to engage with? Well, small business owners specifically, if you're a small business owner who wants to dominate their local market. In other words, we're not talking about Fortune 500 companies. We're talking about the, you know, you've got a local business and you're in a commoditized space. There's a lot of you out there and customers don't know how to find you. We want to help you stand out and really stand up. And one of the ways to do that is we want to get the message of the book into as many people's hands as possible. So I'm giving away the first five chapters, Josh, of the book for free. People can go to goodmoneychapters.com. That's goodmoneychapters.com, goodmoneychapters.com and download that. Also, the best way to keep up with us every day is on Instagram at Derek T. Kinney. And we post daily videos on how to make more, save more, give more, and build the business you've always wanted. Awesome. So that's goodmoneychapters.com. Yes, goodmoneychapters.com. Great. Love it. Derek Kenny, thanks so much for being on here. We're going to wrap up. We really appreciate our guests for joining us and sharing some wisdom about how he gets stuff done. I am especially appreciative of getting my brain onto the payroll. So you can connect with Derek directly on Instagram by going uh, at Derek T. Kenny. And you can also download the first five chapters of his book at goodmoneychapters.com. Once again, if you want to keep hearing great content like this, be sure to follow and subscribe on Apple and or Spotify. And don't forget to get your own personal DoZone DNA by visiting dozonedna.com. Until next time, remember, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. What are you going to do with yours? I have a job for you. Open up your phone or get out a piece of paper and write down these three questions. Number one, what is one important task I can get completely done today? Number two, when can I start it? And number three, what impact will that have on my life? Now answer these questions as best you can every single day this week. Then commit to taking action daily. Now you're in the do zone, baby. Let's go. 
Need some help with accountability? Are you stuck where you're at and not sure how to break through the barrier in front of you? Join the DZ tribe for free by visiting thedozone.com. We're a group of hyperactive entrepreneurs who want to help you get more stuff done. Oh, one more thing. If you know somebody who needs to hear this message, share it with them. Text them, email them, send them a DM on social media, smoke signals, carrier pigeons, whatever. Be sure to tag us at The Do Zone. Also, keep the five-star written reviews coming over on iTunes. That helps new people find the show, hear it, and get themselves into The Do Zone as well. And always remember, the road to success is paved with imperfect action. So what are you waiting for? (laughs) Go do something already. See you next time.